0: the extraordinarychurch.ca podcast where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen.
1: Amen. And I believe God's going to speak to us tonight. I believe he's going to move in this service. Psalm 24 said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul under vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing. From the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation this is the generation hallelujah I believe this is a generation that seeks him amen how many want to seek him tonight glory to God Lord I pray that your presence would meet us right here Lord through the remainder of this service that your word your spirit would do the work God because that's the only thing that can do it We open our hearts to you. We submit our minds, our spirits. We're open to you right now. Whatever you have for us, God, that's what we desire. Have your way in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would break off the shackles off of minds and hearts tonight and that people would be filled with the love of God tonight. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm from Texas, as you can probably tell. was born up north in New York, actually, in Albany, New York, but six months old or so, and I was uh, moved to Austin, Texas, and was raised there. And I met my beautiful wife uh, some time ago. We've only been married for coming up on three years here in November. It'll be three years. Um, I'm an old fogey. My wife is... Colleen, or uh, Coco, as we affectionately call her, she is uh, much younger than me. She's 30, and uh, I'm 39. Can you believe that? 39. That's ancient. And uh, we're gonna have a <laughs> we're gonna have a uh, a baby boy coming in February. Praise God. And. Uh, you know, if, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. I, it, it, he, he knows your heart's desire. So I always tell young people, I got married at 36, 36 years old. I mean, that's, that's old, right? You're thinking, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, at least you feel that pressure. It, and sometimes in church culture, you know, you, people looking at you like, what's wrong with you, you know? I so, said, well, there's just nobody good enough that's come along. No, that's not true. That's, that's really not true if you knew me. But the Lord's timing is perfect. People say, well, I bet you wish you would have gotten married much sooner. And the reality is I don't. I don't because uh, all things work together for good and the timing of the Lord is perfect. Amen. And I love my wife and thankful for the life that God has blessed us with. And uh, so just giving you some background uh, so you know who's up here uh, talking to you tonight. There uh, is something about servanthood. Now, we are all sons and daughters of God. If We've been born again of the water and of the spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have a world that claims that we are all children of God. And, and uh, to a certain extent, that's true. We're all children by creation. Uh, But the most important aspect of being a child of God is being born again. Amen. If we are born again of the water and the spirit, we can truly be uh, called children of God. Uh, Jesus said that I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That word comfortless meaning I'm not going to leave you as orphan children. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'll be your father. I will come to you. And there's something about uh, being a child of God, but uh, we are also servants of the Most High God. Sometimes, if you're if you're like me, you can get it twisted. Sometimes you can. Have anybody ever felt entitled before? Gotten gotten upset when something didn't go your way and thought uh, you deserved better? Uh, I've been there before. But there's something about servanthood, and uh, we wrestle in this flesh. We are fallible human beings. We're not perfect. Uh, Until that day, we will be perfect then. But until then, we're striving. There's something about servanthood. If we could could get a hold of servanthood. We read all throughout the scriptures about servants that are willing to move the mission forward. God's mission. Not their own mission, but God's mission. If you remember the story of Naaman, he was a mighty man of valor. He was a man of victory. He was a man of war. And he was well-respected. But, the Bible said, he had leprosy. He had a contagious disease. And he had a little servant girl that was captured uh, on a raid in Israel. And she said, I, I just wish that, that my master could go see the prophet in Israel. Just a little servant girl that wasn't about herself. And, you know, if, if that was me as a, little, uh, a servant that was uh, captured from my home, and taken uh, taken to a foreign land, I, I think I'd probably keep it to myself, <laughs> I think, you know, I think I'd probably be waiting on the clock to be ticking on Naaman's life. Oh, he's got leprosy. Well, good riddance, right? When's he going to die? When can I go back home? But here's a servant that's simply uh, uh, doing what servants do and helping. He said, I I wish that that man would go see the prophet in Israel. Wow. isn't Isn't that a heart that you'd love, amen, to love your enemies, as Jesus said, and and pray for those that despitefully use you and love them which hate you. Wow, just a little servant girl. And so Naaman goes to see the prophet, shows up at the prophet's door, but the prophet doesn't even send, he doesn't even come out himself, but he sends his servant. Here's a servant that comes out to Naaman and tells him what he needs to do. Naaman's, Naaman's upset because he's, he feels entitled. He feels like he deserved better than just a little servant coming out and telling him what to do. And what's more, he told him to go dip in a muddy Jordan River. To be healed of his leprosy, and he said, "Man, I got crystal clear waters back home. Forget this. I'm going home." And in a fit of rage, begins going home. And 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 it was just servants, his servants, that said, "Hey, Naaman, why don't you rethink this thing?" Oh said, "If the, if the man of God would have told you to do something grand and big, you'd have been willing to do it." He said, "But he asked you to do something just simple, small. Why don't you just..." Uh, rethink this thing and it was servants in this story that helped Naaman into the muddy Jordan River and he dipped seven times and came up whole. It was servants that completed this mission. They continued to move the mission Forward. There's something about taking on the servanthood, uh, amen. Mentality. Mary told servants in Jesus' first public miracle we read about in John, and and, and and Mary came to Jesus and said, "We're out of wine." And Jesus said, "Well, that's not my problem. <laughs> Sounds like it's your problem." And Jesus said, "It's not my time yet." And uh, Mary was, I just Mary, Mary finally just, I think she had enough. And she said, I'm sick of hearing about how when it's your time. And you know what Mary did? She, she turned to the servants and said, hey, do whatever this man tells you to do. Now, the la- last recorded words of Mary were do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Goodness. Goodness. All right. all <laughs> I right. think that'd be all right to tell uh, some folk out there, hey, the last recorded words of Mary, she's well-respected in some religions, some denominations. The last recorded words were, hey, do whatever that man tells you to do. All of a sudden the servants, man, they they start to uh, listen to Jesus and he tells them, fill the water pots with water and somewhere along the way from the water pots to the master of ceremonies, that water turned into wine. A miracle was taking shape in the hands of simple servants doing what they're told to do. As the disciples distributed the bread and the fish to the hungry crowd, the miracle took place in their hands. David was just a shepherd boy serving His father and and watching the sheep, and his father said, Take some bread and cheese to your brothers on the battlefield. And David shows up just being a servant, and he hears this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of the living God. And he said, Is there not a cause? Something rose up in the heart of just a servant who said, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and take this. You're talking about my God and you're talking about his people. And I'm done with this. And his, sir, and his brother said, oh, I know your pride. You just come out to, to see the battle and you just want to take part in this. And he said, what are, you, what are you picking on me for? I'm just doing what I'm told. But is there not a cause hallelujah we show, we show God that we mean business when we're not willing to just do the big grand stuff on a stage where everybody can see us uh, but we're willing to move the mission forward and just do what we're told to do uh, whether anybody notices us or not whether anybody pats us on the back or not and God is going to elevate us uh, when we allow ourselves to be humbled under the mighty hand of God uh, he will lift us up in due time servants just making uh, making this thing go God is looking for servants who will simply go. And as we go, there is, there is so much power when we go. The command to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. God didn't stop there. He said to Abraham, to Noah, go. Jesus commissioned us, go. When we go, can I, can I tell you, there's salvation and healing and restoration in the very words of Jesus, these signs shall follow them that believe, following the notes going. We've got to be on a move, uh, on the move, and not standing still if we want to see the miraculous. It's a commission. Jesus isn't forcing us, He wants to work with us, giving us what we need when we need it. Amen. You don't have to worry. Can I tell you you don't have to worry whether or not you have the resources? You don't have them. God's gonna provide them. Bible said he gives seed to the sower. Amen. Not not just somebody who says they're a sower, but somebody who's actually sowing. Well, I don't have any seed in my hand. Well, just put your hand to the plow, put your hand in the field, and as soon as you do, and God sees you mean business, he's gonna provide the seed. You don't have what it takes, and that's why God's called you. I want to use you, you're a willing vessel. You know what the Lord spoke to me the other day? He said, everybody's going to be used. Everybody. It's just a matter of if you're going to be honorable or dishonorable. That's up to us. That's up to our response. That's up to a a yes in our spirit. And I believe I'm talking to people. I know I'm talking to some young people and some young adults and some old people tonight that said, you know what? I want to do what God wants to do in these last days. I want to be holding his hand. I want to be going where he's going. The temptation, of course, is to stay and build for ourselves. Tower of Babel. They built high to the sky, and God said, I'm going to have to come down and visit these people because uh, their, their motive is wrong. They're building for themselves. In contrast, God wants us to go. He never, never wants us to just stand still and, and provide for ourselves and think, I'm good. I'm, I'm good here. I'm going to park it right here. There's a parable Jesus told about the rich man who had too much stuff. And he said, Man, where am I going to store all my stuff? And he said, uh, My barns aren't big enough. I'll tell you what I'll do. He had a thought I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger. And I'm going to stash all my stuff and I'm going to live like a fat cat, live high on the hog and enjoy all that I've earned and worked for. And the master came calling and he said, You fool, this night your soul's going to be required. Of you, Jesus said, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? It profits nothing. He said, You can do nothing without me. And I believe there is a hunger deep inside the people of God tonight. I said, I'm not gonna live for self. I'm not gonna make my name great. I'm not gonna toot my own horn. Come on, church, this world's not my home. I'm not gonna get too comfortable here. <laughs> can I tell you, there is so much opportunity for evil. To be propagated among us when we stay and build for self, I believe. I believe we're so uh, uh, their opportunity is there to be diseased in the church, to be sick, and I believe our healing is only in our going. I believe there's so much opportunity created, created space for for lying and 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 jockeying and politicking and backbiting and hurt and gossip and anger and bitterness and. Adultery and fornication all, all manner of evil when we stay right here and build for self now what I'm going to tell you is it's is a little bit unconventional but I want you to hear me out for just a moment I, I, we, we, we like to tell the, the people our guests and maybe people that have never been in a church service and they're, they're seeking God we love to tell them hey you don't get good to get God That's right. you heard that before you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. And that's true. You, know, you, you can't clean up enough. You know, you've talked to people and said, you know, I'm just not ready yet to serve God. i got to clean up my act. And No, God wants us to come as we are. Right. He just wants us to surrender to repent to him. Yes, sir. And, but, it, you know, sometimes if, if I'm being honest, I've been hypocritical about that because, you know, God will come to me and say, hey, I want to use you. I got, I got great things planned for you. And I say, who, me? Now, you must not be talking to me. Uh, you're looking at Gideon here, right, who's hiding behind the wine press and just trying to, just trying to feed himself and his family. He's, he's terrified of the enemy, and God shows up, says, you're mighty man of valor, and he says, who are you talking to? Anybody been there before? You say, I'm not talented enough. I, I don't have enough knowledge of the scriptures. I haven't been to Bible college. I don't have a, 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 a graduate degree. I, I, there's no way I can touch people and reach people. See, I, I got to get my stuff in order first. It's hypocritical for me to tell the world, hey, you don't get good to get God. You got to get God to get good. Amen. There is, a, there is a sanctification process that happens when we're just servants moving the mission forward. And we're not arguing with God anymore and, and showing him our resume or our lack of one. And we're not telling God, hey, I can't do what you're asking me to do. But when we just say, Lord, I surrender to you, uh, there is a healing process that begins to take place. As God had me step out of my comfort zone, i just be honest with you. Eight, nine years ago, whenever it was, I was 30 years old and I felt the call to uh, minister, to preach when I was eight years old, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, and in fact, before we got into the church, uh, uh, we, were, we were Catholic, we attended uh, mass every Sunday, and I always thought I'd be a priest, <laughs> and God had a little bit different plan, so I felt at the age of eight that he, he wanted me to be a minister. I didn't know what that meant, and so for 22 years, I served in a, in a, in a local church where I could, but uh, honestly, I was too comfortable, honestly. I'd allowed myself uh, working a nice job, making all the money you can make, and and just allow myself to just get carnal, just be honest with you. And uh, the Lord came to start to break up my nest a little bit, get me uncomfortable. All of a sudden, the job that I loved and the money that I loved and all the stuff I had didn't do anything for me. And they didn't leave a satisfaction as Pastor was talking about tonight. i had gotten my eyes off the Lord, gotten my eyes on stuff. And it wasn't fulfilling. The call of God is on your life. Maybe some of you in this place feel the same way. As God had me step out of my comfort zone, I'm just going to be honest with you, I I argued for a little bit. How am I going to do it? God, I'm not even prepared yet. I'm not in a place to do that. I'm not a minister. How can I speak? And anybody listen to me. But as I stepped out and obeyed the voice of the Lord, quit my job and did what I felt the Lord told me to do and and started to evangelize like I'm, I'm doing today. As I stepped out, Of building a name, of building a life for me, God began to heal me in the process. God would give me dreams and God would give me visions. And I'm not a super spiritual guy that, that claimed to have visions and dreams all the time from God, but let me just tell you, God would convict my heart as to what I needed to take care of and how. Go to this person. Tell this person you're sorry. Go make a circle and tell this person, repent. Amen. God began weeding things out of my heart as I was going. Oh, God. Goodness gracious, Going is going to cure what ails you. Amen, it's going to cure what ails others. These signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. And for the signs to follow, I want to see God do the miraculous, don't you? And for these signs to follow me, I can't stop. I can't back up. Fear tells me to quit. Fear tells me nobody's going to listen to you anyway. You don't have anything to say. But it's not my strength and it's not my grace and it's not my power. Anything that I have has been given to me. Freely you have received. Now freely give, Jesus said. Can I let you in on a little secret to God's economy? In the kingdom of God, you can only keep what you give away. He that seeks to save his life, Jesus said, is going to lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. I believe I'm talking to this generation that's out to seek the face of God and nothing less. You will require nothing less. I believe I'm talking to some hungry folk who say, you know what, I'm not satisfied, but there's a burning in my soul. I want to live on purpose for the glory of God. We can only keep what we're willing to give away. Jesus said to the level that you're willing to forgive, that's the level I'll forgive you. If you want total, complete forgiveness for your life, you've got to give it away somebody who's hurt you money same way you're only gonna keep it if you give it but the moment that you begin to start hoarding the blessings of God for yourself and I know we don't like to talk about money you know because we like money <laughs> but <laughs> and it's good to have money amen isn't it but God said he He would take care of all of our needs, and we wouldn't have to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. He said, I'll take care of all that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What a paradox. You can only keep what you're you're willing to give away. Kerry Newoff said this. He said, appetite makes you discontent with what you have and convinces you that what's next will satisfy you appetite will seduce you into what you know is not true. I've never been satisfied before, this is true, but I will be satisfied this time around. When you're reaching for that thing that you think is going to bring you happiness or contentment or great gain, and that relationship or or, or that party, or, or what have you, and, and but appetite lies to you. You weren't satisfied last time. You're not going to be satisfied this time. Solomon said this, no matter how much we see, no matter how much we hear. Now, here's a man that had it all, didn't he? Solomon was on top of the world. There was nobody that had more wisdom than him. People came from other nations seeking out his wisdom, and they said, you know what? It's better than what I was even told. Wow. He was so rich in his day that silver was nothing. He devalued silver. That's how rich Solomon was. I mean, this man had the wisdom, he had the money. And here's what Solomon said. No matter how much we see, no matter how much we hear, we are not satisfied. Vanity. Vanity. It's all vanity. i tried it all. He said, I had all the wisdom I could have. That wasn't cutting it for me. So he said, you know what? Then I decided I'm just going to live a life of pleasure. And he said, when I came down to the end of that, I said, man, this don't satisfy me either. (laughs) A classic example, and I know what I'm talking about. Eating more makes you crave more. Eating the wrong stuff (laughs) makes you crave more of the wrong stuff. If you do it enough time, you will physically expand I've physically expanded you know I can't I can't you know I I tell people I just got that pregnancy empathy or whatever they call it sympathy whatever and I'm just growing as as the baby grows you know don't want my wife to feel left out but it's not true it's just not true <laughs> and what happens is you expand your stomach and then you're overeating and then you're still craving stuff you're never satisfied with and It's a destructive combination. Focusing on ourselves, don't you have you ever noticed that, focusing on ourselves, it's interesting how it leaves us feeling so empty. And the more we focus on self, the emptier we feel. Ever felt like no matter how much time you take off, no matter how many breaks you take, no matter how many vacations, it's not enough? You ever felt that way? (laughs) Wow. Ever notice how we, and some of the things in, in our modern day culture that we, we like to emphasize, we talk about, we even begin to magnify some things. And fear, I believe, is magnified in our culture. And, and mental health is a big thing now. And, 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 I, and I'm for mental health. But do you ever notice how we, we, we begin to uh, fixate on these things? And, and, and the more we talk about it, the more that we're not helping, that we're almost exacerbating the problem. Sometimes it seems that way it, when our focus is solely on self. You know what I'm talking about? It's good. I'm not, there's a difference between self-care and self-medication. I'm, I'm talking about self-medication, just medicating ourselves with the terms of our culture that our cu- culture is big on. And we, we start to feed on all of that. But it doesn't leave us feeling content or satisfied. You know the, the objective of the enemy? He's out to steal, kill and destroy the attitude of our world is the same way it's the, it's the same spirit it's, it's out to get what's for me and it's never going to be enough right we live in a victim culture today oh all you got to do is post on Facebook how at 6 years old somebody did you wrong right told you you couldn't play with them on the playground hurt your feelings and you're 33 years old today and you're still feeling the effects of that Look, I'm not minimizing that. What I'm saying is we can begin to celebrate that and we get friends around us who will like that and love that and pat us on the back and all of a sudden, instead of being the victor, we're the victim. And now we're empty. We're emptier than ever, than ever before. No matter how many loves and shares and likes we get, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're still empty inside. That's because Jesus said if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it, there's a paradox. You're going to find it. Come on, somebody. Oh, God, don't you, don't, you want to, don't you want to give God all? Don't you want to sell out? Don't you want to give him a chance? And, uh, take a risk, step out by faith and say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I tried it my way. Yes. Hallelujah. Can we lift up our hands and say, Lord Jesus, I, I want to put my attention back where it, where it belongs. I want to put my focus on you, God. I, I, don't want to do, I don't want to live according to the flesh. I want to walk according to the spirit. I, I want to listen to the whisper, uh, the voice of God that's uh, gently uh, beckoning me on to take that step of faith and move forward in faith. Uh, hallelujah. I can't stay here. Uh, I'm seeking more than what I currently have. Uh, I want more of you, Jesus. Oh, I love it, Pastor, in the Holy Ghost tonight. We can never get enough of God. He's limitless, and we can have more and more of him. But but, but, but the good thing about it is at one moment it is presence. You know what I'm talking about. You feel that satisfaction, that peace, that joy, that love that overflows. Amen. It's just a little bit of taste of heaven when you bring heaven down and when you begin to glorify God. Amen. Some in this world are seeking After relationships, some are seeking their next hit or their next high. Some are seeking acceptance from others. Some seek to be financially wealthy. Some seek the highest college degrees that the world can offer. What are we seeking tonight? That word seek. There in the Greek, as Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. That word seek means seek in order to find, seek to obtain, to get a hold of, to get to the bottom of a matter. Anybody ever lost your phone before? Mm -hmm. Amen. What'd you do? You didn't give up. (laughs) You ever lost your car keys before? What'd you do? You didn't give up until, right? There was a pressing. There was a seeking. True seeking is seeking until. It means to crave. Wow. That word is linked to worship. That word worship means like a dog coming before his master, licking his master's hand. When's the last time I worshiped the Lord? When's the last time I was obsessed with the presence of God and I wasn't about to go anywhere? I'm talking to myself tonight. but Lord, you have created us to worship. You've created us to worship you. You haven't created me to create things to worship. Oh, but you created me to worship you. That word seek means to require, to strive after, to require it. What am I requiring? As in, I'm not leaving until. The apostle Paul said that the Greeks seek after wisdom and the Jews require a sign. Man, that's exactly. He said, little do they know that they're both found in Christ. If they would just look to Christ, they find everything that they're looking for. He stood on Mars Hill and said, if you would seek the Lord until you find him, for in him we live and move and have our being." When we truly seek something, we're requiring it. And when you require Jesus, he's required to be there. Come on, somebody. If we'll seek him tonight, you're going to see what you seek. I want to see the face of the Lord. I want to see the glory of God revealed in my life. I want God to take me further than I've ever been before. We read in the account of John chapter 1 verses 38 and 39 uh, that two disciples began following Jesus. He hadn't even called them and they came after him. And Jesus turned around and when he saw them, he said to them, the next verse. Oh, no, no, you're right, you're right. That was right back up, I'm sorry. They said to him, Rabbi, Master, where do you dwell? (laughs) You can go to the next verse now. Jesus said, Come and see. Jesus said, You unlocked it. That was the correct passcode right there. You know, the most important thing on Jesus' mind is He wants to know where your heart is. The disciples said, Where do you dwell? Jesus said, Hey, now you can come and see. My God. That's good. Where do you dwell? If I can just get to where you dwell, Lord. Uh, Jesus said, come on, uh, come on in. I, I've got everything that you need. I, I I was on a mission to find a wife God, find a good thing. and find a good thing. That's right. It was back in uh, 2018 and 19. It was the summer of 2019 and, and I was dating somebody else, not my wife, and but shit, this girl that I was dating, you know, was in the church, and people, people kept saying, hey, man, what's wrong with you? Huh. Marry this girl. They said, man, you're old. Huh. You ain't getting younger, and she's in church. You know, just because somebody's in church doesn't mean necessarily that you're equally yoked. <laughs> we got to be careful. If you're going the same direction, how can two walk together except they agree? It's because they're in the church. Don't mean... You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, but the the reality was, and the only way I knew how to explain it was I could not get to the bottom of this person that I was dating. I did not have a piece inside of me. Now, I continued to date because here's, here's what I was doing. I was hanging on, hoping that one day I would see the light. Really, I was I was going to God in prayer, and I was saying, you know, I'm just not humble enough. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm too proud. I'm not seeing what my mentors are telling me, man. I, maybe I'm just too proud. I I don't see it. I can't I can't just pull the trigger on this. And the Lord was teaching me throughout all of this how to learn His voice. I didn't know it at the time, but I would pray and fast and pray and fast. God, show me a sign. <laughs> Finally, I, I I was I was. Uh, It was the summer of 2019 and I was uh, talking to a pastor on the East Coast and that pastor was kind of, you know, pressuring me to come out there and help him and help him pastor the church and he knew I was dating this girl and he said, man, y'all need to get married and just come out here. It's going to be great. (laughs) I had prayed and fasted so much. I said, you know what? Finally, I said, I'm just going to do this. This is the option on the table. This is what I'm going to do. No, sooner than I said, this is what I'm going to do, I still couldn't get peace. But, all the signs began to appear, all the green lights. I was even in Europe. I remember I was in Europe in a department store, and I heard this girl's name on the department store speaker in a song. And I said, wow. That's got to be God. <laughs> no, <it ain't. laughs> That's right. No, it ain't. I should have had you in my pocket. <laughs> And so what I did was just, uh, I just couldn't bring myself to ask her to marry me. I just couldn't do it. And the summer went on, and it dragged on, and week after week, and I knew I needed to be there yesterday to ask her to marry me if I'm going to do this thing. And I got to the end of the summer, and I felt no peace at all, and I just felt like I was going to break. And I, I said, I need to hear from God. So I headed out west. I had about seven or eight days until I had to be the next place in Texas, I was in Wisconsin, and I, I said, I'm just going to go to the mountains and hike, and, and uh, I turned my phone off, you, you, you'd be amazed at when you turn your phone off how you could hear from God, All right. you would, you'd be amazed, no, uh, no distraction, just quiet, and the Lord began downloading to me, he said, the reason why you feel nothing but pressure is because I need you to know me, and I want to know you. He said, "You're listening to all these other voices." At the end of that period, I knew the Lord was telling me, "Stop! You cannot move forward." So I called the ch- the, the pastor I was talking to, and I, I told him I'm sorry. I can't I, I can't make this decision. I can't do this. And, and then I met with her face to face, and she handled it well. She took it, you know, as good as anybody could take it. And I, I told her I'm sorry. I wasn't leading you on. I just here's the situation, and 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 let's just part and go our separate ways. Both parties that I spoke to, the pastor and her, they both told me this. God is not the author of confusion. And that's right. That's what the Bible says. So I went to the Lord and I asked, why was I confused? Why did I say I would do this? And I, and I hear you clearly telling me you cannot move forward. And God said to me, this is why I told them, it's a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign wicked and adulterous. He said, every time you prayed to me, every time you fasted, I fasted so much, man. You should have just ate Chick-fil-A, right? That's what the Lord was telling me. You might as well just had a hamburger. Because if you're fasting for the reason to twist God's arm, (laughs) that's not why we fast. We we fast to get our flesh in line with his will, to hear his voice. God said, every time you hit your knees, what.'" What you didn't realize, you had good intentions, but what you didn't realize was you weren't seeking me for me. You weren't even concerned about how my day went. You just said, Lord, give me a sign. God, God, give me direction. And you weren't serving me for me. You were serving me for what I could do for you. You were serving me for direction. You were seeking a sign. Wow. He said, the only thing that saved you was the fact that you didn't feel my peace in it. The peace of God will lead you. Amen, if you're feeling confused or you're feeling tormented and you're not not living in sin, you're just trying to be an open book before the Lord, God's not going to lead you by confusion. He's going to lead you by peace. And he said, peace is the only thing that saved you. What are you seeking after tonight? Amen, are you seeking for things for self? Are you seeking to move and advance the kingdom of God? I've got to hurry in my notes here because I don't have a lot of time. But there is something that happens when we begin to seek God for who he is. There was a man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 uh, that was praying and he got the attention of God and an angel appeared and said, your your prayers have, have reached the throne of God. He said, send for the preacher. Now, Cornelius is a man who didn't know God necessarily intimately. He didn't know all there was to know about new birth experience, none of that. He was just serving God to the level that he knew, but he was hungry and God saw a hunger in him. So God said, send for the preacher. The preacher's on the rooftop, and he's praying. He falls into a trance. The Bible said Peter, the apostle Peter, was hungry, but he pushed back from the table, and instead of going and making himself a sandwich, you know what Peter did? He pursued God. There was a hunger inside of him that said, you know what, not right now. i got to get a hold of God. And as soon as he made up his mind, the Lord began to show Peter a vision. This is all happening as the servants are on their way to get Peter off the rooftop and Peter goes with the servants to the house of Cornelius and the Holy Ghost falls on his house because there was such a hunger. You know what I've learned is that God connects hungry people with hungry people. God puts them together. Hallelujah, that's why we're here to, together. I believe that's why we come tonight because there's a bunch of hungry people in one room and we're two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. What are you seeking? What am I seeking? Hey Amen, and I'm wrapping, I'm wrapping up here. I need to move. How many remember the Asbury revival? You remember hearing about the Asbury revival? It broke out there in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky, a small Small town, and uh, it it started not with an amazing message. It just started with with young people that showed up and said, "I'm not leaving." They had such a hunger that said, "You know what? I know I got stuff to do. I know I got classes. I know I got studying. I know I got work, but I'm not leaving this place." And they began to draw a crowd. They, they, others took interest in what was happening at that college, and for two and a half weeks that. That, that revival went on where people began to hear about it and they were flying from other countries. Uh, I, was, I was there with a friend of mine, Taylor, who had called me that last, that final week, and he said, the Lord spoken to me that we need to go to Asbury and give them the gospel message. And I said, okay, well, when do you want to go? He said, tomorrow. He was in Houston. I was in South Carolina. I said, well, that's, that's kind of quick. He said, well, we got to get there. So he had a flight, and I, I was looking at flights, and they were so expensive. I said, man, I don't know if I can make it. And then I, then I realized that I have a Toyota Prius <laughs> that can get me from point A to point B pretty cheap. Uh, please don't hold that against me. Now, you Canadians know about electric and hybrid stuff, so I think I'm at home. <laughs> but uh, so it was going to be 12 hours. And I, I said, well, you know what? If I leave here at midnight, I said, I can pick you up at the airport. I picked him up. We drove to the college we began to pray in the Holy Ghost. we knew that God had sent us and we felt that God wanted to give us a door of utterance that God you, you, if you have us here then you've got to open the door we're not going to make the, you're not going to push the door open you've got to open the door for us to speak. we show up and there was a there was an immediate hunger as we stepped out of that car there was a, you could sense it you could feel it in the air there was a hunger after God now I had I would seen a lot of stuff. You see a lot of stuff online. You probably saw a lot of stuff about it. People had opinions about Asbury. Some people said, "Oh, that ain't real." Some people said, "Man, that ain't of God." Some people said, "That's not that, man. That's that's a, that's of the devil." <laughs> All kind of craziness happening, man. Crazy. Keyboard warriors out there, you know. Oh, yeah. Anybody know a keyboard warrior? They get courageous with the <laughs> yeah, they. <do. laughs> And most of those people weren't even there, but they had opinions on it. And I'll tell you, we stepped out of that car, we felt an instant, instant hunger, a third world type of hunger. I'm talking about a desperation for God. There was a line that wrapped around the buildings four to six hours. They said, if you want to get in the chapel, you're going to stand in line for four to six hours. Now, that's a hunger. That's a seeking. That's, a, that's whatever it takes. I'm not giving up. I'm going to get a hold of this thing. We began to meet other people from different countries. I met a man from, uh, from Chile who had brought a group with him. They bought a one-way ticket, didn't know when they were going back home. I met a man from Alaska who had never stepped foot in church, didn't know anything about God, heard about Asbury, and there was a hunger. There was a drawing that began to draw him uh, to this place. And and we inched closer to the inside of the circle there as we were on the front lawn and there was about 100 people that were standing and worshiping God. There was such a sincerity and a humility there. And they, they were lifting up their voices and there was unity and there was everything that was needed there. All they needed was the finality of God's word. Not what man says, but what God says. And we weren't there five minutes and the worship leader stopped playing and she looked to her right and there was Taylor. And she said, sir, do you have something you want to say? He opened his Bible and asked, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? In Acts chapter 19, we see followers, they they were doing the best they knew how, they loved God. But Paul asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? In other words, it wasn't just enough to be a believer. Paul said, have you experienced God filling you? I thank God that we feel his presence, but he wants more than just for us to feel goosebumps and cry a few tears. He wants to live inside of us. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. He said, I challenge you, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, that's God's plan. It's his will. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, the Bible way, the Bible tells us that when we receive the Holy Ghost, we will speak in another tongue. If you've never had that experience, I challenge you lift up your hands right now. And they began to lift their hands and there was a roar that went up to heaven. And immediately as they lifted their hands, we estimated the Holy Ghost fell on that crowd. We estimated 20 to 30 people right there in a split second received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Such a hunger. Such a thirst after God. Amen. There was a seeking. There was. A, I'm not going to give up. I'm requiring this. I can't go anywhere. I don't know when I'm going to go home, but I re- realize that life means nothing if he's not in it if he's not lord of my life i, I can't I, my god anybody know what i'm talking about there's no satisfaction if it's not found in him yeah. hallelujah hallelujah i believe i'm talking to some young people tonight hallelujah that want more of what god has for you what are you seeking there was a hunger they sought after god and they wouldn't give up And there was a Holy Ghost revival that broke out on that college campus uh, and people began to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, The next few days we were there, uh, there was a young man that was baptized in Jesus' name. Scotty was his name. He was 22 years old. uh, And he come up out of that water. We took him back to the hotel and we asked the hotel if we could baptize him. He come up out of that water, wasn't even fully dry and was witnessing to the hotel clerk on fire. For God, you have that picture? There he is. He's being baptized in Jesus' name. I come up behind Scotty he's sitting on the couch he's witnessing to the hotel clerk he's, he's got his, his phone out and he's in Acts chapter 1 and, and I come up behind him and I take a picture of him maybe you have that picture I don't know if you do or not and uh, he, 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 he sensed that I was behind him he looked, he turned he said, man, come give this bi- guy a Bible study I don't know what I'm telling him he needs to be baptized in Jesus' name show him Scotty went out on the college campus the following morning, so fresh, so new, so hungry for God, filled with his spirit, and he got up in the middle of that crowd. I had dropped Taylor off at the airport. I went, and I stood in the back, and I was just observing. It felt like people there uh, at least knew or were familiar with the Holy Ghost, and so I felt like, well, I don't need to get up and say anything. All of a sudden, I see Scotty, 22 years old, get up in the middle and the front and say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? <laughs> well, Scotty didn't sleep a wink. He videoed everything that Taylor had said. And he, and he memorized the entire thing. And he got up there and opened his Bible. He said, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 19. He said, If you don't have the Holy Ghost, why don't you come up here? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I watched this. I watched this. I was looking. I was standing in the back and I was watching people. Nobody moved. I said, Oh man, Scotty, I feel you, man. I preach and people don't move too. I said, I feel you, man. Scotty said, Hey, I said, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, come up here right now. Four or five people shuffle, shuffled up there, and and he said, "We're going to lift our hands and pray." And there were two people there that I know hadn't received the Holy Ghost. I was praying with them the previous night, and they had not received it. And they wanted the Holy Ghost. So they come up there. There's and there's about four or five people. They lifted up their hands, and we begin to pray. And every single one of them re- received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I learned that Scotty went preaching. To- Three or four more times on the college campus, he said, Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna live this life for self. I'm gonna go. I got something to tell somebody. Amen. How many wanna be used by God? The will of God. And what happens when we go? When we're willing. Hallelujah. When we're willing to just be servants to take the message. And we're not building kingdoms for ourselves. What happens? As we see the miraculous hand of God at work. Oh. Wow! Oh. I told you I'm Gideon. I told you. In fact, when I dropped Taylor off at the airport, I said, man, I don't want to be alone. Now, I knew Scotty was there, but Scotty, man, he was a trip. He was running everywhere. He was taking pictures, videos. I was like, man, I can't depend on Scotty. I can't preach to these people. I'm all alone. And as I started driving to my hotel, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you're not done. Turn around. He said, I need you to tell the people to take on my name in baptism. He said, if they've not taken on my name, he said, I'm coming back for my bride and the only way I'm going to identify my bride is if they've been buried in my name, if they have my name. He said, they're willing to pray in my name, they're willing to pray over their food and cast out demons in my name, but when it comes to baptism, there's such a fight on whether or not we need to take on the name of Jesus in baptism. He said, I'm only cut. They, they that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27 said. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, what an opportunity tonight. You can have your sins washed away and take on the name. Hallelujah. The name above every name. Maybe, maybe some music would like to come just as to give the people a hope that this thing is wrapping up. Thank you so much, Sister Mia, and your wonderful team. Praise God. So I went back there, and I was looking for water on the college campus. I couldn't find any water. They didn't have a fountain. They didn't have a pool. They didn't have nothing. I'm thinking, where am I going to find water? And uh, it started getting late. I started to call the churches on the block and say, hey, different, all kind of different churches, different denominations. Some I couldn't get a hold of. Some I I talked to and said, hey, I want to baptize some people in Jesus' name. Just wondering if you'll let me use your baptistry. No, no. So when the name of Jesus is lifted high above all else, above our kingdoms, above our control, above our power, you better believe you're going to get some pushback. You're going to get some opposition. Yes. That don't mean you're doing the wrong thing. It doesn't mean give up and quit. It just means, hey, uh, Pastor Bernard always used to say it. If, uh, if, you're, if you never feel resistance from the enemy, maybe you're not a threat to him. Maybe you're walking the same direction as him. <laughs> oh, nice, <man. laughs> you, you're going to get some pushback when you do the will of God that's all right, God's with you. It started getting dark, so I went back to the hotel. I said, I guess I'll go back tomorrow. I'll figure out how I'm going to get water there, maybe rent a horse trough or something. I go back to the college. It was about 9.30, 10 in the morning the next day, and nobody was there. And uh, honestly, I saw nobody on the college campus. I I said, man, I missed it. I began, honestly, I began to repent. I began to cry because... I said, Lord, you told me to go give them the message yesterday. And I was concerned about water, and I didn't go give them the message. And I was sitting there in my car feeling defeated. All of a sudden, Scotty texted me. I said, Scotty, where are you? He said, I'm at a professor's house right now. I'm trying to teach my friend Michael a Bible study about baptism. He said, man, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he said, will you come here? I said, I'll be right there. I walked in that that's when I met Michael 40 years old from Alaska humble guy repentant I began taking him through some scriptures it wasn't three minutes and Michael was like I see it I see it take me to the water I want my sins washed away we asked the professor can we use the bathtub no so we're, we're trying to find by this time there's a couple of guys in the house there's three three other guys in the house and we're looking on Google Maps into people's backyards. We're zooming in, you know, trying to find a body of water. <laughs> and about a block and a half away, we see somebody's got a pool, so we start walking there. We start walking down the front steps of the house. And as we're walking down the front steps, I'm with Michael. I said, Michael, so you're from you're from Alaska. I said, What 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 city are you from? And he tells me, I said, I don't know anything about Alaska. I've never been there. I know Alaska's big. I said, man, that's cool. Uh, I said, I have a friend there who started a church. And I was pulling out my phone out of my back pocket. I was about to show him a picture of this family who had started a church in Alaska. And at that very second, that man texted me. Now, what what you need to know is we don't text every day. We don't text every week. I hadn't heard from that man in two months. That's fly about to get it, ain't it? I don't want to kill you in the house of God, but. Hey, but you know what I said you I'm sorry Lord forgive me <laughs> and, and I said Michael you're not going to believe this that man I was just about to show you his picture he just texted me 12.30pm I can still see it I picked up the phone right away and I called that man I said hey where are you in Alaska I said how far are you from Michael's town I gave him the town he said oh I'm about 20 minutes away I was eating tacos there last night I said, oh, isn't that interesting? I said, here's a man who needs a church. He's about to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. And I'm going to send you Michael, okay? He said, yeah, bring him on. I looked at Michael, and Michael said, that's God. (laughs) See, man can't orchestrate what only God can do. When you just begin to move in the flow, hey, God, I I might be scared. I might be intimidated. Lord, I don't want to do this. God said, I'm for you. I'm with you. Just walk in it. I'll take care of it. We got to that neighbor's house. Their pool was black, man. That thing hadn't been cleaned. I don't know how long. It looked like there was food floating in there. I said, no, we we can find something better. And Michael said, no, put me in the water. I said, and Michael went to the front door and knocked on the door. He's going to ask for permission. And nobody answered, thank God here's a preacher that had less faith than Michael. I said, man, Michael, come on. I can find you some better water. He was ready. We said, we'll go to the Kentucky River, but houses line the river, so we got to get access. We got to ask permission, so he's knocking on doors. Uh, can, you, can, you, can you just let me have access to the river? They're going to baptize me in Jesus' name. No. You're going to feel some pushback when you lift the name of Jesus higher than every other name but he wouldn't be defeated. We found a little pond on the side of the road. You have that picture of Scotty putting him down in Jesus' name? Michael, come up out of that water, his sins washed away. He said, I want the Holy Ghost. Scotty said, I want to baptize him. I said, sure, Scotty, go ahead. He said, I don't know what to say. I said, I'll give you the words to say. Put them down in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody. Is there a yearning in your heart? Do you want to do something for God in these last days? God wants to use you. But just like breathing in and breathing out, you got to breathe them in first. If you'll breathe them in, then you can breathe them out. Come on, if you'll get God tonight, then you'll go with him. Hallelujah. As you go, there's a sanctification process that begins to happen in your life and God begins to pull the weeds. God's got a purpose. He wants to use you for his glory. Does anybody want what God has for you right now? Would you stand to your feet? What are you seeking tonight? What are you seeking tonight? Will you not be denied? If there's a pursuit of God in this place, if we all make up our minds, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to be used of you in these last days and I'm going to be an honorable vessel. God, take my hands, take my feet. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm ready to go right now. And you'll supply everything that I need. God, you're with me. You're for me. You're not against me. I invite you, every hand lifted in the building. If God has got, if he's tugging on your heart, if he's compelling you tonight, come on, why don't you make up your mind? I'm not going to build kingdom for self. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of building pleasures and comforts for me and mine. But God, I want to be used for your glory. I'm going to seek your face tonight. I'm going to be filled with you tonight so I can share you with others. Freely, I've received. Freely, I'm going to give. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we respond to the Holy Ghost tonight?
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.